Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. This episode is brought to you by the Center for Addiction and Mental Health here in Toronto. Cutting-edge, state-of-the-art, compassionate facility. Right now, it is Mental Health Awareness Week. This is the time when they need you most. This is the time when you can make a real difference when it comes to doing something about the mental health crisis and the devastating opioid epidemic, the overdose epidemic that we're currently experiencing, losing 20 people every day. They need your help. Donate at camh.ca slash CanadaLand to help CAMH treat addiction and build hope. Hey, I need you to pay close attention to this message. It is not an ad. This is about Canada land and this is about you. You need to know that the news crisis is about to get a lot worse. You've heard about the layoffs. We're about to have news closures and it's very likely that we're going to be seeing the defunding of the CBC. Where are you going to get your information from? What can you do about this? You can support Canada land. We need you to And so for this month and this month only, you can become a CanadaLand supporter and get everything our supporters get for just $2 a month. That is an almost 80% discount. The clock is ticking on this. It disappears at the end of the month, and then we will not offer it. We need your support. We need to keep news coverage alive in Canada. Go right now to canadaland.com slash join. And thank you. Above a Burger King on Rue St. Catherine, there's a firm called Dickens and Madsen Canada. But there is no Dickens and there is no Madsen. There is Ari Ben Menashe. If you Google the term warlord's favorite lobbyist, it's his name that comes up in report after report. Ben Menashe worked for Robert Mugabe, the liberator of Zimbabwe turned tyrant. He represented the interests of Libyan warlord Khalifa Haftar, who currently faces legal action in the U.S. for alleged war crimes. Ben Menashe signed a $6 million contract with Sudan's Transitional Military Council, who later massacred around 100 protesters in 2019. Ben Menashe criticized the massacre, but kept the money and continued to work for his client. And that's the boring stuff on Ari Ben-Menashe's biography. He has been an Israeli spy, an arms dealer to Iran, the target of at least one RCMP investigation. 
He's the survivor of a firebombing. He crossed paths with Jeffrey Epstein. Remember the Iran-Contra affair? He was in there too. Ben Menashe was born in Tehran in 1951. His family fled that country for Israel. Iran was not a safe place for Jews. His fluency in Persian, English, Hebrew, and Arabic made him an asset to Israeli intelligence, on whose behalf he sold U.S. warplanes to Iran. He got caught by the Americans for that, and he turned on Israel, and they turned on him. He fled for Australia, but they wouldn't take him. Canada did, and now his registered office address is above a Burger King in downtown Montreal. And I had no idea that he existed until last week. I lived around the corner from that Burger King. I think I stopped in for the occasional late-night Whopper and had no idea that the most interesting man in Canada may have been influencing world events directly above me. And that is not hugely surprising, I guess. I mean, aren't guys like Ari Ben Menashe supposed to walk between the raindrops, influencing governments from the shadows, the unseen hand? But that is not Ari Ben Menashe's style. Last week, it was revealed that he's got a new gig working for, guess who? The military junta that just staged a coup in Myanmar. On February 1st, Myanmar's generals seized power and detained Aung San Suu Kyi, whose party was democratically re-elected last November. And the reason why the press knows about Ari Ben Menashe's $2 million U.S. contract to cape for those generals of Myanmar, the same generals who have since killed dozens of anti-coup protesters and detained around 2,000 more, the reason why that shocking tidbit about Ari Ben Menashe leaked out is because Ari Ben Menashe leaked it. This guy writes books. He does interviews. And today, he's going to do one with me. But here's the thing. This guy's job is to tell the world a new tale about the military junta to help ease the generals out of their role as international pariahs sanctioned by the U.S. and decried for their atrocities. But the thing about flipping that narrative is that the atrocities are well documented. Here are some established facts for you before we go any further. In 2017, Myanmar's military cracked down on Rohingya Muslims with mass rapes and murder. They torched villages. More than 700,000 Rohingya fled to Bangladesh. Suu Kyi was state councillor at the time, which is akin to prime minister. In 2018, a report of the Independent International Fact-Finding Mission on Myanmar, established by the United Nations Human Rights Council, found that the country's military leaders were directly responsible for the atrocities, recommending that they be investigated and prosecuted for genocide, crimes against humanity, and war crimes. In 2019, in a case brought against Myanmar at the International Court of Justice in The Hague, Aung San Suu Kyi defended the military against charges of genocide. So that's the factual record as we have it at the moment. And as curious as I am to talk to Ari Ben Menashe, I, I'm just not willing to help him get a counter-narrative out there, a counter-narrative to those facts. And I do have wider reservations about this guy. Given that a judge called him unreliable and Israel called him a pathological liar, I'm pretty nervous about putting him on this show. Of course, on the other hand, Ben Menashe was a source for the legendary reporter Seymour Hirsch. 
And his information has been reliable enough for reporter Julian Piquet, who broke this current story about the Myanmar lobbying contract on his website, foreignlobby.com. And Julian is with me now. So Julian, what should I be preparing for with this guy? I think it's fair to say that he operates very differently from other lobbyists that I cover and that we cover. In this particular case, this gentleman is is a very different actor. He he plays upon this idea that he's, you know, kind of an international man of mystery that's very well connected with a number of countries around the world, particularly Israel, particularly the UAE, and that he can get these different actors to sort of work together behind the scenes on obtaining results that, you know, Western governments might not necessarily be upfront about speaking about. And I I think it's fair to say that it's very unusual for people who do this kind of work to be so public about it. I'm sure there are other people who do similar things, uh, work with different entities uh, around the world. uh, And and of course, in the United States, we've seen a number of people, particularly since 2016, you know, go to prison for doing lobbying illegally, illegally in the sense of not disclosing it. And Mr. Ben Menashe is is very public about what he does. I mean, he puts those contracts out there for everybody to see the astronomical amounts that are involved, that he says he is being paid. Uh, Again, all I can tell you is that these are documents that are filed with the Department of Justice. And to me, anyway, lying on paper to the Justice Department about your clients and how much you're being paid just doesn't make a ton of sense. So as far as you can tell, he is who he says he is. He works for who he says he works for. And, you know, there's plenty of people out there making grandiose uh, claims about their central role in world events. But he does actually seem to be a player in these global conflicts. Uh, I, I haven't seen anything to suggest that he's not. So as far as you can tell, he doesn't lie about who he's lying for. From your journalism, my understanding is that he wants the world to rethink these military leaders, violent warlords who have initiated a military coup, he would rather that we think that they actually were, you know, Aung San Suu Kyi was primarily responsible for the crimes against uh, the Rohingya. These generals reflect the will of the people. And if you side with the generals, you can bring Myanmar into the sphere of influence of the United States, but Aung San Suu Kyi will bring them closer into alliance with China. And so the smart money is on, uh, let's, let's be friends with them and let's lift the sanctions. Is that generally the story that he's, he's telling? As I understand it for now, yes. I, I think what's interesting here to me anyway is that I really don't think that this public relations campaign is aimed at you or me. I think it is aimed more at um, intelligence agencies, you know. So why do you think he's so forthcoming? Do you think he likes the publicity? Uh, I do. (laughs) Yes. At the considerable risk of giving him more of what he wants, let's talk to Ari Ben Menashe. Joining me in a moment from Montreal. Wait for it. This episode is brought to you by Jason McLennan, Cassie Muis, Josh Patlick, Sean Vanderclis, Sandy Boucher, Deborah Gervin, Natasha Silva, and Nels. 
I'm Nels, a video game designer from Vancouver, and I support Canada Land for its dedication to reporting truth and to independence. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Uh, it's amazing the things that we tell ourselves to talk ourselves out of getting help. Anybody who's actually gotten help knows that the process of getting things off your chest, of taking your stressors, your problems, and just like not letting them be bottled up, working through just conveying them to somebody, half of the battle is just doing that. You unburden yourself. And you know what? If you have a real mental health professional, no, they don't have magic bullets or magic words that make it all go away. But often they can help you see things a little bit differently and guide you to strategies or tools or to a new perspective that actually does Help. As the largest online therapy provider in the world, BetterHelp can provide access to mental health professionals with a wide variety of expertise in mental health. Because you listen to this podcast, you get 10% off of your first month at BetterHelp.com slash CanadaLand. That's BetterHelp.com slash CanadaLand. This episode is brought to you by the Center for Addiction and Mental Health. Right now, there is an opioid crisis. Right now, there is a mental health crisis. But right now, it is Mental Health Week. And what that means is you can do something about these crises. You can help people. You can help CAMH save lives. They offer treatment with dignity, and they are doing cutting-edge research. I don't know if anybody listening to this is untouched by this crisis. You can see it in the downtown of every city in this country. You certainly feel it in Toronto. This is not something happening to other people. These are our friends. These are our communities, our families. We are all touched by addiction. We are all touched by the mental health crisis, and we all share responsibility to do something about it. Helping CAMH is something you can do about it. Help change mental health care forever. Your support will help CAMH build a future where nobody is left behind. Donate at camh.ca slash CanadaLand to help them treat addiction and build hope. Ari, you have one hell of a Wikipedia page. Okay. <laughs> we do what we do. Yeah. I mean, you can't believe everything you read on Wikipedia. But uh, by way of introduction, why don't we run through some of the stuff I read about you, and you could tell me yes or no if it's true or not true. Okay. Tell me. All right. So apparently, in your life so far, you've been a prisoner. True? True. I was um, arrested in the United States for um, selling weapons to Iran. I got acquitted because... We proved that it was on behalf of the Israeli government. It was not a private deal. So you did sell arms to Iran, but you did so on behalf of Israel, and thus you were acquitted. Uh, that's, that's right. Uh, you were a spy. Well, I was working for Israeli intelligence, military intelligence. You were an arms dealer. As I said, any arms sold by, by me was for the Israeli government. Not, nothing private. You were a refugee. What does that mean? You you applied for uh, for refugee status in Australia. Correct. 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 So after the trial, I needed the place to go because um, I testified in Congress against the Israelis and their activities. They weren't very happy about it. Australia wouldn't take you, but uh, Canada did. That's right, but. Uh, I wasn't going to stay in Australia. I just wrote my book there. 
you've been a double agent. What does that mean? That means that Zimbabwe President Robert Mugabe, his enemies, they thought they were hiring you to assassinate or arrange the assassination of Mugabe, but in fact, they did not know you were secretly working for Mugabe. No, no, no. They did know that I was working for Mugabe. They tried to buy me. That's exactly a mistake. They came to us because they told us that since you know Mugabe and the palace and everything else, you can help us get rid of him. And they tried to buy us. They said, we'll pay you $30 million. I said, um, who's going to pay that money? Said the British government. So they knew you were working for Mugabe. Oh, oh yeah, they, they did. People will remember the United States colonel all, all over north selling mm-hmm. arms to Iran in order to illegally fund a conflict in Nicaragua. Mm-hmm. We only know about that because you broke that story. You, you brought the information to Time magazine and others. Is, is that correct? Correct. It goes on and on. Uh, you were employed by uh, an international drug lord, Paul LaRue. No, no. Sorry. 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 Okay. Our company was hired by Paul LaRue, Mm -hmm. who at the time, at the time, was actually working for the U.S. government. Apparently, it went bad later. He wasn't an international drug lord at the time? No, he was uh, America's favorite. <laughs> I think he could be both at the same time. Uh, well, no, no. Uh, well, maybe he was, but nobody knew about it. You, so, uh, uh, yet he hired your firm, and he hired you to lobby Zimbabwe to to sublease farms back to dispossessed white farmers. Is that, is that correct? Yes, yes, and we did. We did. And you did all of this, Ari. From your office in Montreal, which you, know, you don't know this, but your office is around the corner from my old apartment. I see. <laughs> okay. You're an interesting guy. I, I, I got to tell you, I feel like I'm interviewing a James Bond villain or something. Well, we tend to think of ourselves as uh, good guys. Can you tell me, your firm is called Dickens and Madsen. Yeah. Who, who, who are Dickens and Madsen? Uh, Dickens and Madsen was an old uh, lobbying firm in Washington, D.C., which we bought. And now Dickens and Madsen is being paid $2 million to rebrand Myanmar's military okay. junta. No, uh, sorry, we are not paid. We will be paid when it would be legally possible to be paid. This is an important detail. We're going to get to that. So you have a contract with the coup, with the military junta. No, no. You guys no, but you guys don't have it right. You keep on talking about the coup and so on and so forth. That's not true. Uh, first of all, our company used to be a consultant to the Myanmar government in the 90s. This is not new for us. This is where you guys got it wrong. And is that something that legitimizes the current, uh, in your view? And, uh, what legitimizes everything is the fact that this government in Myanmar has been around forever. Now, they, we helped them. We were trying to help them move towards a democracy, but we, at the time, recommended to everybody that Aung San Suu Kyi should not be part of any such government, because I knew her. 
I met her in 1986 in London as part of the Israeli government. And she was a real racist. And um, under her regime, she did in the Rohingyas. And we were... We were appalled when she received the Nobel Peace Prize. We were appalled uh, that she got uh, she got the um, honorary Canadian citizenship. Uh, we were appalled with all that. And you people seem to forget that only a month, two months ago, she was uh, not um, not acceptable, and she was drawn to the court in Hague. In the Hague about this, she was, and and her her uh, the glorification of her as a human rights champion is definitely tarnished. Yeah, but your message, and it's not something that you decided out of the courage of your conviction necessarily. Why not? You you have a message which you can tell me if I'm getting it right right or wrong. Is that she and not the not the military leaders who are currently ruling Myanmar in what is described and widely acknowledged as a coup? She is responsible for the genocide of the Rohingya. That's the message that you want the world to know. The, absolutely, absolutely. But but this message, we should tell our listeners because we want them to have the facts. This is a message that you are sharing with the world and lobbying to the world's governments because those generals have retained your services and they will be paying you $2 million as soon as it is legally acceptable because if they were to pay you that now, then you would be in violation of the law because there are sanctions against taking their money. That's correct. And now, there's more to it than that. You know, she got rid of all the Rohingyas. This government wants to bring them back. These are the facts, uh, Ari, that we know. More than 50 people have been killed during the military crackdown on the protests. Okay, can I say something about this too? Uh, First of all, the military has nothing to do with the crackdown. It's the police. I I know people say, oh, it's different. It's a different arm. And the numbers are pretty, are, in my opinion, too high. The military for many years actually kept the country uh, together. And the country was pretty stable, but they decided to move on to some sort of democracy. And a lot of people in Myanmar knew she was the wrong person. She was the wrong person. And, uh, but some people wanted her, they went ahead, and she was a failure. So you're blowing against some pretty powerful winds here. The Biden administration sanctioned 10 Burmese officials, your employers, uh, also three entities, U.S. Uh, Commerce Department imposed uh, export controls. That's, co- uh, that's correct, but uh, we're hoping to change that once we explain everything. And the, the Myanmar, uh, present Myanmar government is happy and willing to get closer to the United States. Uh, they, this is another point. Uh, they were very upset with uh, Aung San Suu Kyi because she was pushing Myanmar in the hands of the Chinese. The generals are not pro-Chinese. They are pro-Western people. And they, wanted, they did not want to fall in the hands of the Chinese government. They wanted to be either neutral or close to the U.S. government. You want to position them as a U.S. ally. Uh, it's, it's their wish. And the threat is that if not, 
this could go to China. So let's fold this into a Cold War narrative. But to do that, you've got to disassemble facts. Like you've got to disassemble the 2019 UN report that found that the military supported brutal operations against ethnic groups, uh, forced labor, sexual violence. Uh, you have all that uh, report, but who was in power at the time? They forgot. It was her. She was, she was in power. Her party was in power. They had militias all over the country. It was her. These reports didn't exist before her government took over. I have to thank you for this opportunity. It's to, to actually talk with somebody who is involved in, in this kind of uh, narrative shift. You know, I think you mm -hmm. can agree that there is a narrative right now. Correct, there is, and it's a false narrative. Your job is to change narratives, right? My job is to bring about the true narrative. Tell me about how you're going to get there. Like, how do you lobby governments? You're making yourself available to, to the media. We make ourselves available to the media because uh, we want to explain uh, it publicly, the issues. We're starting to lobby uh, the Saudi government and the UAE, and they're ready to provide funds for the rehabilitation of the Rohingyas back to their back home, to their homes. It's starting with that. And I remind you again that the Israelis are very, very close to, it's the closest, they have a very close relationship with the Myanmaris, okay? And they do have influence in the United States as a government. Yes. You keep, you keep saying yes, like I'm, I'm going to say agree yes. Okay. I'm talking about the Israeli government. Okay. And uh, people don't realize how close they are and they have been to the uh, what you call the generals. What do we make of that? Well, they they do tell the Americans that these guys are good guys. They are telling them that. Friend of my friend, if Israel vouches for the generals in Myanmar, then maybe you can mm. turn a corner on this narrative. Possible, yes. I, I have to say, it's quite something. You know, Libya, yeah. Sudan, Zimbabwe, okay. now Myanmar, people uh, who are regarded, uh, decried pariahs internationally as warlords, thugs, murderers. I've always wondered this about people in your line of work. Did you ever get one wrong? Did you ever get one wrong where halfway through spinning their, their narrative, you said, I shouldn't have taken money from that guy? T tell me, who, who did you get it wrong with? Hefter in Libya. Yes, we did. We did. Hefter walked into our office in Montreal in 2011 when the re revolution in Libya started. He was an American citizen at the time. Um, he walked in and he, he asked for help because he was part of the revolution against Gaddafi, yes? But then he was also an American citizen and the Americans were backing him and so on and so forth. But we shared the information that he gave us that he was about to attack Tripoli. This goes back uh, two, three years ago, yes? And, uh, and we quit. Why? Because we did not want him to attack Tripoli. So you've got standards is what you're telling me. If you were to find out that everything you're telling us about the generals in Myanmar turns out to be wrong or they're more culpable for what happened to the Rohingya than, than you previously thought, you would fire them as clients. Yes, I would. But I happen to know, uh, I happen to know them 
for many years, I'm talking about this. Is, see, everybody thinks we just out of the blue signed an agreement with them and so on and so forth. Just so you know, we know our company has a history with them, as I told you. Okay. And secondly, in this round, I was in the last month twice in Myanmar, twice, and we spent hours talking to them about how the change would come. Ari, I find you fascinating. I'm glad to have this chance to have a conversation the likes of which I've never had before. Can I stop you? Thank you. Thank you. No, just give me a moment, please. I have serious misgivings about lending my platform to you uh, or humanizing you in any way. These are just words, right? But there's people involved. The people who were killed, the Rohingya, they know who was holding the guns. It wasn't Aung San Suu Kyi. It was the military. It was her militias. Th this is serious stuff. Spin can kill. Do you ever feel like you've purposed yourself in support of bad causes? No. You, you don't? No. No. I want to say one more thing. The gentleman, the Prime Minister of Ethiopia, was given the Nobel Peace Prize for doing peace with Eritrea. He was given this prize while his troops were massacring the Tigray people. This is factual. This is happening right now. And we recommended against him because we were in Sudan. The Sudanese knew him. But you want to tell me the international community knew better than us to give him, this happened recently, him, the Nobel Peace Prize? Really? We got it right and the whole world got it wrong. I got one last one for you. You knew Jeffrey Epstein? Yes. What can you tell me about him? He was who he was. He was working for the Israeli government. What was he doing for them? Blackmailing people. With tapes of them uh, with minors. Correct, That, including that, yeah. And you knew about that? No, at the time, no. Uh, I knew him because I knew Robert Maxwell. We were working with Robert Maxwell, and this guy was in his office. Mm -hmm. How did you learn about his blackmail operation? Later from my Israeli friends. Ari, those are all my questions. I want to thank you for your time today. Okay, that's, that's great. But uh, just, just for your information, a lot of material has, has come out publicly about our work in Myanmar, as you may have seen. Lots of articles from all over. A lot of them criticize us like you tried to. But some of them, the narrative is already changing but because the truth is sort of coming to light about what the real situation is. And I think, I think, if we talk again in two years' time, we probably have, have a democracy in Myanmar. I don't, uh, I don't doubt that you, what, you, what you do has the power to move world events, that narrative and writing a new story different than the story people know does have the power to change governments or normalize or legitimize governments. But I think that there are already different paths to facts. There's journalists documenting things, and then there are military leaders hiring 
PR agents to lobby for them. No, no, we're in, uh, not PR agents. Don't, we're trying to put the facts out publicly. If uh, journalists that want to travel to Myanmar, we're even making it easier for them to travel to Myanmar. They can see for themselves. And see, uh, you know, uh, again, there are a lot of journalists that get it wrong because they sit down in their homes listen to some of the exciting stories people write and the whole narrative about Myanmar is wrong and you guys when I say you guys journalists only two months ago were demonizing Aung San Suu Kyi suddenly you decided she's the, she's the best how did you turn around so quickly I don't know that you ever heard me say either of those things do you know that QAnon supporters are online saying that they want to have happen in America what happened in Myanmar? Excuse me? That they want to have a military coup in, in America. There was no military coup in Myanmar. Please, uh, please don't try to demonize the generals. This is exactly the type of things you journalists have been doing. Oh, the QAnon. What's, what was one has to do with the other? If QAnon say some rubbish, do we have to accept it? Okay, please. Uh, these guys didn't do a military coup. They, they took over. <laughs> what, what do you call it? I, I, I can't wait. Uh, they, remove, uh, they removed these people. They removed, what's the new term? According to the Constitution. and It's a military what? What are we going to call it? Change, uh, government changeover. There's a reason for it. Keep working on it. Keep workshopping it. A, a government changeover. All right. How about a refresh? You know what? Uh, it's a pivot. Uh, that, there's a reason for it. These guys were in the government anyway. Right, right. They were part of the government anyway. And there was a problem. Yeah. There was a problem with the vote. Yeah. I, it's not a coup. I, w I was here anyhow. It, I, I don't know. It just sort of happened. There was an election, election fraud, and there's a list, 10 million votes that didn't take place. Okay. Stop the steal. 10 million votes out of a population of 52 million is a lot of votes. These are the minorities that were not allowed to vote. Ari, once again. Okay. You don't want to hear the truth. What can I tell you? Thank you once again. Okay, welcome. That's your Canada land. I think you should help us make it. We want to give you free stuff in exchange. It's really easy. Just click on the link in the show notes or go to canadaland.com slash join. And for as little as five bucks a month, you can be helping to keep independent journalism going. We rely on your support. You can email me at jesse at canadaland.com. I read them all. We're on Twitter at CanadaLand, and our website is CanadaLand.com. That's where you can sign up for our newsletter. I recommend that you do. Anita Elash produced this episode. It was mixed by Jeremy Kessler. Our managing editor is Andrea Schmidt. Our theme music is by So Called. Syndication is handled by CFUV 101.9 FM in Victoria. Visit them online at CFUV.ca. If you like this show, please support it.